Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, perhaps one of the more uh, difficult tasks uh, that we have as uh, Lutherans in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is that we always want uh, Jesus to come in first, don't we? And so when Christmas comes around and we're talking about the, the Virgin Mary, you know, certainly we, we never want to, to disrespect her. Certainly the Mother of God, we want to hold in great esteem. But yet there, there's always that, that little bit of, of underlying point that we want to make where Jesus is Oh, just like perhaps in, in my own family where we, we have the kind of the peculiar situation where you know, Robert was born on Christmas Eve. And trying to think about you know, how, how to, to celebrate his birthday when in fact it is the birthday of our Lord and Savior. His uh, brother is commonly in, enjoyed, you know, having the congregation sing happy birthday to them as they were growing up. But coming out on Christmas Eve with the birth of Jesus, you know, it seems maybe kind of awkward to finish the Christmas Eve service and say, hey, could you now sing happy birthday to Robert, right? Because we know we've gathered together to, to worship our Lord and, and, and Savior. We want Jesus to be number one. And, and then, you know, it kind of seems, well, to me anyway, through the years, like uh, that maybe is a, a little bit difficult. And, and hopefully Robert has understood that all this time. For, for us often, you know, we, we celebrate the the. Christmas Eve service, we maybe exchange presents celebrating Christmas, and then we kind of move on to, okay, now it's time for, you know, Robert's birthday. And so then we come with the cake, and he gets an extra present at Christmas, hopefully, most years anyway. Now, you, you've seen Robert grow in, in years as a, a member of this uh, congregation. Um, boy, he's going to be... 16 coming up here and so that means he was like nine years old uh, when we first moved here and so you've been able to see him grow in, in years and you were able to, to watch him as he was confirmed and uh, hopefully he's still kind of friendly uh, to you on Sunday morning um, but as, as his uh, parent you know he, he's really a great kid really proud of him and, and the way he's growing and the, the things he's able to accomplish. But still, there, there's a, that little catch on Christmas Eve. Now, can, can I point to him without feeling like somehow I'm taking away from the birth of Jesus? And dear friends, it is perhaps with that same kind of, of attitude, that, that same kind of you know, trepidation that you know, we want to be able to point to Mary and we want to be able to hold her up, yes, as an example. 
But yet, as Lutherans, we have that little bit of fear, don't we? We don't want to take away from Jesus. And so once again tonight, you know, we, we want to talk about the mother of our Lord and Savior. And we want to be able to hold her up and, and we want to be able to exalt her. It is the mother of our Lord. But we want always in the back of our minds to remember, you know, Jesus the Christ is the center, isn't he? And Jesus our Lord is the reason for, you know, this particular season. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But he did have a really great mom didn't he? No, something kind of unfortunate happened this week as I was driving the bus and listening to some of the, the little guys and gals behind me. I heard one little guy talking about how, uh, you know, he had lied, he said, to his little friend. When I told you my mom and my dad weren't really my mom and my dad, I lied. And it's a, a parent that you know just kind of struck me to the heart because I, I grew up with a, a great mom and, and dad. I can't imagine ever telling somebody else that you know my, my mom and, and dad, they're, they're not really my mom and dad. For, for that little person, though, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they, they told their friend, no, that, those aren't really my parents. Right? But Jesus, he had a, a great mom and dad, didn't he? For the God of this universe hand-selected the parents that would raise his only son here on this earth. And God, he looked around and, and he saw among the generations and among the peoples of this world, it says in the Bible that when the time was exactly right. You see, God out of all the women in this world throughout time looked upon the Virgin Mary and he said within himself, that is the one. That is the probably the best woman in the entire world. And she is going to bear my son. She is going to be the one that holds him in her arms when he's a tiny baby. She is going to be the one that teaches him as he grows in wisdom and in knowledge and in favor with God and with men. She is going to be the one entrusted with his safety. Now, when you think about it, Jesus was born in very turbulent times, and his mom and dad, they had to flee down to Egypt, actually, because the king of that age wanted to kill Jesus. 
In fact, he wiped out entire villages, uh, killing all of the babies that were two years old and younger in order to try to cover all of his bases. And here is this young woman. Uh, you know, the Bible, again, it doesn't tell us exactly what, what her age was, but, you know, she well could have been 16, 17, 18, maybe. Probably at, at the oldest. You know, you think, here is this young girl. And God looks down upon her and says, that's going to be the one. She's special. She is going to be able to endure these terrible hardships. And she is going to be one who has the self-control to not snap at my baby son, you know. She is going to be the one that has it together. She is going to be the one that, you know, does the absolute best that can be done at parenting, right? Indeed, the mother of our Lord, she was very special. Now, you think about the customs of the ancient world and, and you think about, you know, that idea of, of purity, especially among the, the young women of marriageable age. And this angel then, you know, comes to this young woman who is betrothed to Joseph, but she's still living in her parents' home. Right? She, she's promised to, to marry Joseph at some future date. Um, a, a lot of betrothal periods were for a year, at least. And so you, you think of, about that, um, you know, wanting to do things in the right way, wanting to bring honor to her family, you know, wanting to you know, keep her name respectable. This angel of the Lord comes to her and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And you know, we could maybe kind of kind of picture it. Um, um, excuse me. Maybe she raised her hand, you know. Um, kind of, you know, want to uh, remind you, I'm, I'm still a virgin. Right? How can this be? And the angel goes on to explain, you know, this is going to come from God. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be there in the conception. Right? This is going to be God's child. And really without blinking an eye, she comes to the place where she says, hey, let it be to me according to what you've said. Our faith is just right there and it's fully formed, isn't it? You might recall learning about some of the customs of the day. For you see, at that particular time, yet even though the Roman government had taken over in Israel and Judea, it still was in their written law that if a, a, a woman who was engaged to a man became pregnant out of wedlock, 
and you know the man knew that it wasn't his child, he could have her put to death in the public square. In fact, we, we read you know that it, it was an, an option that Joseph actually had. But rather, uh, as we'll talk about next week, you know, Joseph, he decided that he would divorce her quietly. Right? That, that means that he wasn't going to press charges. He wasn't going to bring her out into the town square. He's not going to have people throw rocks at her uh, until she's dead. But rather, he's just going to step back and he's going to kind of let things go. But that was the tradition. And some scholars might say, well, the Roman government had come in and, oh, they wouldn't allow that sort of behavior. But guess what? They're, they're living, you know, out there in the middle of nowhere, right? They're not living in the big city. Right? They're living in a quiet little village where, you know, certainly these ancient traditions of justice could have taken place. And Mary, no doubt, knew what the traditions were, and she knew what could possibly happen. And still, without blinking an eye, she says, hey, let it be done to me as you have said. That complete trust in the Lord. Now, things are going to look bad. And she, she doesn't say, hey, you know what, what's, what, what's mom and dad going to say? Come on. And she doesn't say, you know what, what about my future husband? What's he going to think? And she doesn't say, as long as I have, you know, the Lord's protection in this endeavor. But no, she just kind of lays all of that concern, all of that fear, and it's laid aside. And she says, let it happen. Let it be to me according to what you've said. It's hard to even come up with a similar situation that you or I uh, might have been in. But has there, there been that kind of time in your life when you, you know you wanted to act in faith? And yet maybe you thought about some of the consequences and you thought about you know, some of the, the things that, that would be roadblocks or some of the things that, that might hold you back. And for Mary, <coughs> she simply said, let the Lord's will be done. It's really amazing, isn't it? I remember just before I began my ministry, I was in my senior year of seminary. We were able to go for Christmas and visit with some relatives. And, you know, they were having a big dinner party and they just happened to invite some folks to that dinner to, you know, just mingle with or whatnot. And as I was talking with that man and, and, and his wife, you know, they're, they're trying to be encouraging that I was going into the ministry, but they felt like they wanted to share with me how they had failed. And those stories are, are sometimes some of the toughest that we listen to, aren't they? 
this man and, and his wife, they, they shared with me, you know, when we were young and we were in, in college, we really felt called to the mission field and, and we, we thought we we're going to go to China. And the man went, went on to say, it seemed as if the, the Holy Spirit himself had gifted us with the ability to learn the Chinese language. It just really seemed to come easy to us as we were studying it and preparing you know, to go to that mission field. But then he said, as the time approached, we became kind of apprehensive. And, and we began to, to wonder if you know, we couldn't just kind of have lives as our friends and neighbors were we're going to have them if we, you know, would, would just get married and kind of have a normal life here in the United States. That, you know, we would just kind of give up on on that sacrifice and, and that time of, of poverty and, and, and that time of, you know, being un, unsure because the Chinese government, you know, even 20 years ago didn't really like Christians all that much. And they made the decision not to go. Anyway, maybe for you and I, as we look back over the course of our lives, maybe there have been times that we had that were just like that. And maybe you know it seemed as if the Lord were opening doorways, you know, for for that husband and wife to, to say, you know, it seemed like we had a special gift for the Chinese language so we could learn it easily, that it, it, it came to us as second nature. And they, they had the opportunity and, and they were undergoing the training and then they made the decision to take the step back. And they made the decision that they wanted a life just like other people had. And they made the decision it might be dangerous and it might be hard and maybe there would be sacrifices. And they didn't go. And so now here they were at a, a dinner party kind of coming to the, the retirement age and, and you know, seemingly wondering what their lives could have been like. What if we made a different decision back then? What if? And dear friends, once more, the reason I bring that up is because Mary was faced with that very same kind of thing, wasn't she? And she could have made all of those same arguments. She could have said, oh Lord, I just want to be a normal young lady. Lord, I, I just want to have a, a household here amongst my family. Uh, Lord, I don't want there to be hardship. I don't want there to be a, a, a speck on my honor. I don't want there to be questions about what in the world happened there. Rather, just let me have a normal life. She could have said those things. But she didn't, did she? Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. What a wonderful faith that is. Lord, I'm trusting you. 
Lord, I know that you will make things come out right somehow. Lord, I place my life in your hands. See? Lord, I trust you. See, when everything is going right, then maybe it's pretty easy to, to trust the Lord, isn't it? And, you know, when you, you just had a, a, a great harvest that, that previous year, you, you know, you just bought your new combine and your friends are patting you on the back when, you know, your business deals just came together. You just got that great promotion. Uh, you know, the uh, I, I one time got a letter from the admiral. I got an admiral's letter. I was in the Navy. It was kind of a big deal. I just got the letter from the admiral and he writes on there how wonderful you were and you did this awesome thing and boy, everyone is so impressed and it's just really great, you see. Got my letter. It's really easy to trust in the Lord at those times, isn't it? Things are going your way. People are praising your name. People are exalting you. Oh, you did such a good job. Oh, this is so great. But, you know, isn't it a little bit harder when things are falling apart, right? Mary, guess what? You're going to be pregnant before you're married. Guess what? People are going to maybe heap scorn upon your name. And, and, and guess what? After you have the baby, you're going to have to flee down to Egypt. You're going to have to leave your family behind. You're going to have to be alone, just you and, and your husband, trying to protect the child. And, and, and guess what, Mary? When he dies upon the cross, that death will pierce your soul as well. Guess what? Hard times are coming. And Mary responds with that kind of a wonderful face. She says, let it be done to me according to your will. Let it come, Lord. I'm your servant. I will be the one to save. And dear friends, our Lord and Savior, he calls to each of us every single day, doesn't he? Will you be the one to take his word into a fallen world. Oh, does that sound like, like sunshine and, and joy?
Now, will you be the one to go into the brokenness of someone's life, to hold them in your arms as they weep and mourn and cry? Will you be the one to share that word of God in dark places? Will you be the one that reaches out to those in times of trouble, in times of great need? Will you be the one to suffer hardship and even trauma, emotional, perhaps even physical? Will you be the one who can stand and say, let it be done to me according to your will. And dear friends, I think that is really the heart of the matter, isn't it? That's why we like to always talk about Mary during this Christmas season. For she was one of the most godly people that we find in the Old Testament, wasn't she? She was, in fact, the single individual that our Lord God chose to carry his son, to raise him, to nurture him, to train him up in the way that he should go, to be patient with him, to love him. And you think about how profound that is. Our Lord and Savior learned of a mother's love from Mary. It's hard to imagine perhaps anyone else being able to bear Jesus the Christ. One who can look into a bleak future and without blinking still say to God, let it be done to me according to your will. And she did. Now, dear friends, in closing, once again, you know, as Lutherans, right, we're not here to, to worship Mary this evening because we always want to point to Jesus, don't we? That's the only reason. We want people to grow and understand that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus is the one we need to pray to. Jesus is the one that brings us peace. But yet we certainly want to honor his mother this evening. His blessed mother. The one who held him in her arms. The one that played with him when he was a, a tiny child. The one that taught him 
about love. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.